Let's get to the word. Prove it. <laughs> you know how some people, they say something and they go, oh yeah, prove it. Prove it. And um, sometimes you get into some very big arguments when it comes to politics or religion because people want you to prove things. But um, I'm going to try and prove a little bit tonight um, from the Word of God uh, that we can trust the Bible, that the Bible, we don't have to prove the Bible, it proves itself. And um, particular aspects of the Bible, uh, because we're coming up to Christmas time and celebrating the birth of Jesus, uh, I want to talk about prophecies, the prophecies about the Messiah coming and um, how fulfilled prophecy actually um, sets the Bible apart from every other book and every other religious book. You know, there can be some claims from other religions about this prophecy um, that may have come to pass, but when it comes to the, the bulk of them, the Bible is like 30% prophecy. And 95% of the prophecies concerning Jesus Christ have actually come to pass. They've been fulfilled. The Bible proves itself. Jesus' existence proves itself. So what is the Bible? Is it one book? Well, yeah, but it's a collection of 66 documents or small books, right? Written by 40 different people over a period of 1,500 years. The amazing thing is that they are all writing the same thing. They're all writing the same message. You know, if you and I sat down, or all of us sat down to write something, we wouldn't agree on every point. But the Bible proves itself, okay? Most of these authors who wrote over that period of time, they didn't know each other either. So they didn't sort of get together and plan it there was no plagiarism or collusion or any of that. They hardly knew each other. A few of them might have, but most of them did not know each other. So they were total strangers to each other and most of them came from different backgrounds. If they were all academics, you could think, oh yeah, I can see how it would, they would all be in agreement. But they were from different cultures and different backgrounds, okay? Peter was a fisherman. Paul was a scholar, Asaph was a musician, Matthew was a tax collector, David was a shepherd and then he became a king, Luke was a historian and a medical doctor. So that's a, I mean that's just a handful of the 40 that wrote and you can see the vast differences between them and yet there's all, there's the agreement, not only that, it was written, the Bible's written in three languages, three different languages, Aramaic, Hebrew, and Greek. And yet it's the, still the same message. So how is that? Because it comes from the same source. <laughs> came from God. The Bible says that prophets or those who wrote the word of God were moved by the Holy Spirit, and they were the ones who wrote it. You know, when it comes to proving things, God basically said it all in Isaiah 46. It says, remember the former things of old, for I am God and there is no other. <laughs> That's just stating it simply. I'm God and there is no other. I am God and there's none like me. There's none like me. 
So he's basically saying there's no one else who can accurately foretell the future like me. No one, because he's God. No one could predict centuries before what was going to happen, let alone something as specific as we will see, specific as Jesus' life, okay? And especially his birth. So the things that were written about Jesus were written hundreds of years before they happened. At least 700 years, Isaiah and many of these prophets who wrote about Jesus um, wrote this way, way, way ahead of him. So let's go to some of these specific details. Okay, this is what he said. This is finishing what God said then. He said, I declare the end from the beginning and from ancient times things that are not yet done saying, my counsel shall stand, and I will do all my pleasure. You know, only God could say that, or a highly arrogant person. <laughs> but he's God. He said, I declare the things, the end from the beginning. I know everything. I'm the Alpha and the me, Omega, and everything in between. And from ancient times, from the very beginning, he said, I can tell you things that have not yet happened. And that's exactly what the Bible is, prophecies that were fulfilled. Okay, so some of the prophecies, right at the very beginning, here's one about Jesus. We're focusing on Jesus. These are not all the prophecies about Jesus. There's about 300 of them in the Old Testament, at least 300. Some would argue and say there's 450, but keeping it at a kind of, you know, average they say 300 so in the book of Genesis this is after Adam and Eve have sinned and this is what the Lord says he said I will put enmity between you and the woman he's speaking to the devil because he was the cause of this okay he tempted them and they fell fell into the temptation I will put enmity or division between you and the woman so the devil and Eve, and between your seed and her seed. And see the capital S? It's talking about, that's the first messianic prophecy there. The seed of the woman is Jesus. He shall bruise your head, and you shall bruise his heel. In other words, you may do some harm, but he's going to crush you. And it's talking about Jesus crushing the devil in victory on the cross okay the seed of the woman so Jesus is going to come in the form of man through Adam and Eve the seed of the woman down the lineage but he is going to have the victory that is prophesied from the very very beginning okay so he's a descendant of Adam and Eve He's also a descendant of Abraham. There's many, many prophecies here. I'm not going to go through all of them. You know, when Abraham was told to get out of his country, that was because God was going to form a nation. And out of that nation, out of that people group, Jesus was going to come. If you go into the book of Matthew, it'll show you here a little more detail about the lineage of Jesus. 
the book of the genealogy of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. Son of means, in Hebrew it means descendant of. He's a descendant of King David. He's a descendant of Abraham. It says, Abraham begot Isaac. In other words, Abraham had Isaac. Isaac begot Jacob. And Jacob begot Judah and his brothers. So here you see that Jesus is a descendant of Adam and Eve. He's a descendant of Abraham. He was born into the tribe of Judah. There's a mention there of Judah. So it mentions not just that he came from mankind, not just that he came from the Israelite nation with Abraham, but he came from one of the tribes, one of the 12 tribes of Jacob, who became Israel. Judah, his son, is one of the tribes. Jesus became known as the Lion of the tribe of Judah. So it specifically names his tribe as well. Not only that, it names like 700 years before he was born, it names the exact place where he's going to be born. In Micah 5.2 it says, But you, Bethlehem Ephrathah, though you are little among the thousands of Judah, yet out of you shall come forth to me the one to be ruler in Israel. So here's the prophecy about that little place called Bethlehem in the region of Judah. He's from the tribe of Judah, in the land of Judah, in a little place called Bethlehem. That's where he's going to be born. And what does it say? You're going to be one who rules in Israel. Interestingly, when he did come, they did not let him rule at that time. But they did put on the cross king of the Jews. Interesting. He came as a servant, not as a king the first time. He's coming back as a king. So they're naming the place. Not only that, it says here, his going, goings forth are from old and from everlasting. Not only is he going to be a ruler of Israel, but it's saying that he has always been around. He's eternal. His goings forth are from old. He's pre-existing the time. He is eternal from everlasting. He's from eternity. That's what it means. He is eternal. Okay. Then there's more detail. In Isaiah 7:14, it says, The Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and you shall call his name Emmanuel. That means God with us, Jesus, Saviour. He has many names, but we know him as the Lord Jesus Christ in the New Testament. This is in the Old Testament, hundreds of years before. You will know him as God with us. The Messiah has come. That's what it means. And he also says, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son. Totally unheard of. Totally unheard of 
they probably didn't even know what it was what it meant they wouldn't have even known what it meant and yet here is specific detail about the mother of Jesus And then there's more detail about him. He's a gift to Israel. Isaiah the prophet said, unto us a child is born. I think I shared this last week. Unto us a son is given and the government will be upon his shoulder and his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. He is an eternal king. He's an eternal king. And these are part of his wonderful nature, of his wonderful character. He's going to be significant. You're not just going to have a son. He's going to be significant. He's going to be a world changer. He's actually God in the flesh. So he's significant. He's a gift to Israel. This was prophesied in, I think, 735 BC. And then Isaiah goes on again to describe something unique and significant about him. Not only is he going to be significant, but he's going to be anointed with special power. He's going to stand out. It says, The Spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him, the spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and might, the spirit of knowledge and of the fear of the Lord. He is perfect, all-rounded person with the power of the Holy Spirit in his life. This is the prophecy. And then you go into every one of these, you can track into the New Testament as the fulfillment. In the book of, I mean, you look at all the Gospels, how many miracles, signs and wonders and wisdom and understanding he showed. And then in um, Acts 10, 38, it says, how God anointed Jesus with the Holy Spirit and went about healing and doing good. So all of these prophecies have been fulfilled. You know, the message was always the same, that he was coming as saviour, as the redeemer. In Isaiah again, Isaiah 9, God says this, Behold, look, my servant whom I uphold, he's talking about him. He's not saying look at him. He's saying, look, this is who I'm talking about. My elect one in whom my soul delights. In other words, he's my son. I love him. <laughs> my beloved son. I have put my spirit upon him. And then, amazingly, he will bring forth justice to the Gentiles. So not only is Jesus prophesied as coming for the Jews, for Israel, but also he will bring justice to the Gentiles. He's going to be a saviour for the whole world, for all mankind, for an unjust world. And we live in a very unfair, unjust world, don't we? Mm. Just look around. Just look around. But he will bring forth justice to the Gentiles, to all mankind, not just to the Jews, but to the Gentiles. And then in the book of Numbers, again, there's so many, so many prophecies here. 
There's just a couple more I want to share with you. This was um, written by um, Balaam. He wasn't a very godly man, but God used him to prophesy. And this is what he said. I see him. He had a vision of Jesus. I see him, but not now. It's not for now. I see him. He was feeling something futuristic, obviously, hundreds of years. I see him, but not now. I behold him, but not near. Like This is a far off. He could feel that what he was seeing and sensing was for way in the future. He said, a star. And Jesus is the star. He is the star. A star shall come out of Jacob, shall come out of Israel. A scepter or a ruler shall rise out of Israel. And that was kind of an amazing thing because they started off as a group of patriarchs, just families, you know, and then they went into the wilderness and then they had to fight their way to the promised land and then they disobeyed God so many times and just made a mess of things actually. So how could someone so significant come because God chose, because God chose? So he's saying, I'm, uh, he said, I can see someone's coming as a rising star in the future. And then in the book of Revelation, this is my last scripture for the, because I think it is so cool. Jesus says this, I, Jesus, have sent my angel to testify to you these things in the churches. And this is what he says. I am the root and the offspring of David. In other words, I have a kingly heritage through my lineage. And then he says this, the bright and morning star. Isn't it beautiful? The bright and morning star. You know, there's so many more prophecies that were written and Jesus fulfilled them. You know, these are all, I think these are all the really positive, nice ones. <laughs> there's so many. I mean, there's prophecies about uh, when he would die, how he would die, that he would raise from the dead. So many um, prophecies about Jesus, all fulfilled, 95% fulfilled. And I was reading about the... the um, the rate of fulfilment of these, and I, I looked at um, the 300 references, and a, a professor in America got about 600 of his students to, he was a, a professor of maths and astronomy. His name's Dr. Don Stoner, and he did these calculations of the probability of only eight prophecies being fulfilled. Is anyone good at maths here? Because then the, the probability of only eight prophecies being fulfilled is, hang on, it's 10 to the 27th power, which is 10 with 27 zeros behind it. That's the probability. And yet, Jesus has fulfilled 300. So can't count that much can't count that much. What's the message that I'm bringing to you today? God's proved it already. He's already proved who he is. We don't have to prove Jesus. We don't have to prove the Bible. We don't have to argue. 
the Bible proves itself. God has proved himself. He is the star. He is the, the king. He is the saviour. He does know the future. He does hold eternity in his hands. He is in control. And he's proved it to each and every one of us in his own way that we would be able to understand, that we would be able to believe. Amen? Lord, we just thank you for your word. Lord, we just thank you that you are the star, that you do know the future, and you are our future. And you are the light. You are the bright morning star. Lord, just like the star led the wise men, I thank you that you lead us and that we are wise because we have received you. You made yourself known to us. You proved yourself to us. And Lord, we thank God have received you. And Lord, you still prove yourself to us in little things every day, in little ways every day. And we thank you for it. We thank you, Lord, that you've made everything very, very clear. That you've opened our eyes, we've opened our hearts, and you've opened a new and a living way for us. We just bless you, Lord. We bless you and we thank you. In Jesus' name. Lord, I just pray for each and every one that you keep us safe on the roads, that you would keep us safe wherever we are, uh, travelling or just um, going from here, point A to point B, or to our workplace or wherever we are over this busy period of time when people are sometimes making very bad decisions and drink driving and things going on, that you would protect us, Lord, protect us. Watch over us, guard us and guide us, Lord, as we come to the end of another year. We just thank you for your faithfulness, your mercies that are new every morning. Thank you, Lord, that you continue to prove yourself because you are good. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Amen. Have an awesome week, everyone. Say hi to someone and um, stay safe. <laughs> hi, Wendy. See you at the beach next week. Hi, William. <laughs>